Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Oh my goodness, today when I'm recording this, it's a beautiful Saturday in the afternoon. It's about three o'clock. I've kind of got the house to myself other than dogs. I wanted to get this recorded so that I could go over to Old Navy and see what they have on clearance and use my Old Navy cash because I am a person that likes dresses. I am in dresses 90%, 95% actually of my time. And I've had people come into the office where I work and actually say, how many dresses do you really have? Because I have not seen you wear the same thing twice. Well, I do have a lot, but not enough to wear one a day for a year or anything like that. But I just feel more comfortable, not because of some feminine thing, but in all honesty, it's the way my body is shaped. Um, I I don't know if those of you who've seen me on uh, social media or anything like that, but I am not a typical woman that has the hourglass figure. I have very narrow hips. Uh, my legs are decent. I have broad shoulders, no ass, and big boobs. And so it's very hard for me to wear pants because they don't like to stay up because I don't have hips, but I have a little bit of a belly. And so you have to wear pants that are a little bit bigger in the waist, but then they're too big on your butt. I mean, sure, I can get away with like leggings or something like that, but um, I save that usually until it's more cold outside. Otherwise, I'm just always in a dress. So I got to go out and look for that. And then I'm going to go shopping over at one of my favorite stores, which is on the other side of town, Trader Joe's. I love their stuff. And I can't believe their stuff is so good, but yet really priced well. So I'm just going to go enjoy my afternoon and maybe go find a iced coffee somewhere in the middle of it. Um, and enjoy my afternoon until everybody else gets home. And then it's no longer having the house to myself. <laughs> I recently started to invest a little extra money on my podcast or in my podcast and have reached out to other podcasts um, through, you've probably heard me advertise for Podcorn, and I've hired a bunch of different podcasts to run an advertisement for me. Um, sponsorship is what it is. I'm sponsoring their show because I do pay for their um, 
ability to be able to do this. And they'll either create their own, or I have my own that um, was made by the guys from the National Day Riff podcast. Those guys, I was able to be on their show. And um, I I don't know, I think I had three or four. And then I did some little what they call microdoses. And one of my favorite one was Espresso Day, National Espresso Day. And it comes out you know, when people say espresso, and my voice is saying espresso day, blah, 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 blah. It never has and I go on and never will have an X in it. And it's just funny because they put a video together. And a guy's like, I'll have an espresso and his girlfriend slaps him and says, there's no X or there's an S you dipshit. And it's just funny. Anyway, um, they put together a really nice piece for me. And I have, um, Send it out so some people may be using it. So if you listen to other podcasts, you might come across my show. Um, and if you do, I would love to know that you heard it. Um, but it's costing me a little bit of a pretty penny. Uh, but it's definitely worth it. I want to be able to still reach so many people. And when I get a message out of the blue saying, I came across your show and it was at the right time. I needed it so much. I appreciate all you do. It makes everything, all my time and the cost and everything worth it. Because no, I'm not trying to get rich here. Trust me, I'm not. I'm actually paying more than I ever bring in, even with my Patreon subscribers, to put the show on. So I'm actually paying everybody else to be able to do this for myself, if that makes sense. You know, they say you have to spend money to make money. I'm spending money, not really making money. But again, I just want to get this out more so from my heart, because I want people to know they are not alone. Um, infidelity is a tricky situation. And uh, from the women's standpoint, it just has always seemed to be more acceptable, if you will, for men, you know, but for women, oh, hell no, how dare you do that? So yeah, no, I don't condone it. You all know that I don't condone it. It's not a smut type of a show. It is honest sincerity of somebody who has been in a situation that they got involved in, through no choice of their own, but we're looking at what it was that brought them to that point. What happened? When a marriage suffers from infidelity, it is not always 100% the cheater's fault. Yes, it's 100% their choice that they made, but there are always two sides here. What was going on in the marriage? And it's refreshing because I will talk with the men whose wives cheated, and a lot of them will admit and say, you know, I know that I had stuff to do with it because I was not doing this or I know that I could have been better at this and I'm afraid I'd let her down, which made her earn for attention this way. So again, it's not all pointing fingers and yeah, us whoever chooses to cheat, that's it. That's the word. You chose. You choose. You did it. You didn't have to. But emotionally, whatever, you needed something and you found it. And it is what it is. So the show is about expressing that this is why and it helps other people know that if um, they're concerned about their wives and what they're up to, or another woman is considering I'm attracted to this person and I didn't think I'd ever be, you know, it just allows them a to write it out 
and be able to share it and other people to get a lot of um, benefit from that. So I encourage you, if you've been listening to my show um, and you found it helpful, reach out to me. I would love to talk with you. I would love to find out a little bit more about your story uh, because you never know. You know, as these stories have helped you, maybe your story could help somebody else. Today's story is going to be a two-parter, so it's going to be a little long. I think both parts are pretty long, so I am not going to read an article today. Um, But I did want to tell you guys about a few things that are going on. Um, I am working on a second tier for my Patreon. And with that, there will be not just what people already get, but um, you'll get a shout out on the podcast and a no judgment bracelet mailed to you. And during the month of August, since that's my birthday, there will be an extra gift that I will send along. And uh, just because, you know, it's my birthday and well, I have to make sure everybody celebrates. So I am working on putting that together and... Um, that'll show up on the Patreon when it's ready. Um, and of course I'll talk about it on here throughout the whole month and you'll see it on social media and I might even put out a little, um, short episode about it saying, Hey, Hey, when it's ready. Um, so that you guys can just hear it and decide if you want to look at that. Um, also a couple of upcoming ponders. Um, I, talked about revenge sex and wanting to get information. I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. So I'm about ready to go with that one. Sex toys. And um, do you use them? What do you think of them? Are they good? Are they bad? Blah, 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 blah. I've gotten a lot of information on that. And then also, this one is getting a lot of interesting information. And it's great. And I think it's funny in a way, like I said before, with the cheesy lines you know it's always good to have a little bit of a funniness but it's the strangest sex strangest sex strangest location you've ever had sex and uh, I need a little bit more on that I would love for you guys to shoot me an email uh, rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com it's anonymous um, but I've had some great ones come in and some of them are unbelievable funny Um, but I would love that so please you're listening to this podcast just hit pause Open up your email and then put in the address rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. And just even in the subject line, just tell me where it was or what happened, or you can put it in the body of the email. Infidelity. Both women and men alike have found themselves in situations where they have become unfaithful to their spouse or partner. On the podcast, Raw Truth, stories of female infidelity, you hear stories from women who have been unfaithful, but want to share their stories to help others in similar situations or to help other people understand why sometimes infidelity happens. But there is still so much more. How does a man cope when he finds out that his wife, girlfriend, or partner has cheated? What are the reasons why a man chooses to cheat? Are they similar to why a woman does? Or maybe you are the other man or the other woman in a relationship. I asked her later why she didn't tell me she liked the kind of sex she had with him. 
She said it was novel for the first couple times, but she swore she didn't like what he was doing. I'm not sure I believed it. Why keep going back? I'm sure in hindsight she feels that way now, but I never got over the nagging doubt that she enjoyed the sex with him more than me. I also never got over the feeling that she looked back at what they did and with good memories. He was bigger than me, in better shape, younger, and the sex was new. I never got over that. Again, she swears she looks at it with disgust, but who knows? Why would she ever admit it? To hear the rest of this story and other stories like this, please visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link. For a $3 a month pledge, you will get access to these additional episodes as well as early access to regularly released episodes. If you have a story that you would like to be considered for a future podcast, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. All submissions will always be anonymous. And always remember, no judgment. So let's get started now on Piper's Story, Part 1. How did I get here? I ask myself this all the time. Never in a million years did I think I'd be writing this story, but here I am. A little background info on me. I was raised in a pretty normal family. I attended a super fundamentalist Southern Baptist church throughout my childhood. Think of the preacher from Footloose, always screaming and pounding his fists on the pulpit. At home, it wasn't quite that bad, but still pretty strict. Something to note. When I was four, I was molested by the teenage son of a family member's girlfriend. I feel like that one little incident has impacted my entire life. After that incident, there were several things, inappropriate sexual behavior for a four-year-old, I can remember doing that should have given my parents a clue that something of that nature happened to me, but it did not. The only person in my family that knows is my sister. I have never told my parents. Aside from that little tragedy, my childhood was pretty normal. I've always been able to push things like that out of my mind. As a high schooler, I didn't really figure out how to dress, fix my hair and makeup until I was 16, so there was never really no interest from boys up to that point. I had a few boyfriends throughout my junior and senior year, but nothing serious, and physically, I don't think I ever went past second base. Now, remember, I was attending a strict Baptist church where purity was taught, and I was all into saving myself for marriage. After graduating from high school, I went away to college, still a virgin. I wasn't too far from home, but far enough that I got to experience some independence. I joined a sorority, and the first night we went out, I remember being in a bar and locking eyes with a handsome boy across the way. We will call him Joshua. I recall feeling everything was in slow motion, and it was truly love at first sight. It was a small university, so after a few days, our paths crossed again, and seeing him made my breath catch in my throat. 
We went out a few times and continued to date other people, but by the beginning of the spring semester, we were officially a couple, and by May, my virginity was a thing of the past. Joshua and I had a very tumultuous relationship. We were young and impulsive, and it didn't last. We dated two years, and I was devastated when we broke up. He was my first love and my first everything. I thought we were going to get married. So when we broke up, I had the mindset, well, I'm no longer a virgin. I'm already ruined. So what does it matter what I do now? Let me add here, at this point, I was really no longer attending church, but all these rules were ingrained from years of indoctrination. So in my devastation, my sexual partner number went from 1 to 10 in about 6 months. I didn't sleep with everyone I fooled around with. Keep that in mind because this is part of my story. But I messed around with several people. I eventually stopped all that and had a few boyfriends my last few years in college. But nothing long-lasting or serious. I graduated college and moved back to my hometown. I lived with my parents for a few months and then moved in with girlfriends. We were all newly graduated from college and were starting our careers and lives as adults. I look back at these times as some of the best of my life. About six months into this adult life, I met Corbin. I was 23 and he was 27. I wasn't really interested or looking, but he pursued me, so I figured, what the hell? I remember thinking, wow, he is so good to me. He has a great job. He has real furniture in his apartment. And he keeps his apartment clean. Nice car. What a catch. I could not have been more wrong. The first six months were amazing. We went out to nice dinners, traveled, went out. All the things a couple in love would do. So imagine my surprise when six months in, he dumped me with no warning. Again, I was devastated. But I had been here before. I told myself I wouldn't sleep around this time. Six weeks into the breakup, I went out to a local bar with my girlfriend. Corbin was there. He sent a glass of wine to me, and I refused. He eventually came over and started talking to me and begging me for another chance. I played coy and basically said, earn it. So earn it, he did. We were back together a few weeks later. The breakup makeup game went on for two years. He was awful, and lots of therapy realized I had married a narcissist. I lived in fear of a friend or an acquaintance calling me and telling me what they saw him do when I wasn't around, and he was always doing something. It was a miserable existence. So what did I do? I married him. I'm still not sure why I married him. I think I figured I couldn't do any better, and I was 26, and it was time to settle down. That marriage lasted 15 months. While we were married, I had one of his ex-girlfriend's fiancé call the house at 11 p.m., telling me my husband needed to stop calling her. Additionally, he was out all night, all the time, and I had no clue where he was. Again, miserable existence. I started individual therapy about four months before I left, and this is what gave me the strength to leave. 
Let me add, I had started back to college in a completely different field than what I had been working, so I was in the throes of a very challenging program during all of this. I graduated the program and my divorce was final within two weeks of each other and I was ready to start the next chapter. I was 28. I was hired immediately in my new field and hit the ground running. I was making more money than before and I was loving life. I lived on my own. I was dating. I had put the last five years behind me and was ready to move forward. I exclusively dated a few people, but no one I wanted to settle down with. I began casually seeing a coworker, and this went on for several months. We went to dinner and had a below average sex life, but we never had the talk or defined the relationship. I was okay with this. Enter Isaac. It was a random meeting. I was out with coworkers, and he was in from out of town for work. We were standing next to each other at the bar getting drinks, and we started talking. We talked all night, went to another bar, and talked some more. I ended up going back to his hotel room with him. In the hotel room, he kissed me, and it was a kiss that took my breath away. One thing led to another, and we ended up having sex, and it was the best sex I'd had in a long time. Maybe ever. In the morning, I was getting ready to leave, and he asked for my phone number. I told him he didn't need to call, it was just sex, but he insisted. So I gave him my number, expecting never to hear from him again, and off I went. Now, if you remember, I was still casually dating my coworker. Having a one-night stand with some random guy was kind of the sign that maybe I wasn't into the guy I'd been seeing for months. So, after a few more dates and a few more hookups, I called it off, saying we didn't want the same thing. He agreed, and we parted amicably. A few weeks after that one-night stand, Isaac called. What? No way. He just wanted to say hi and see how I was doing. I was on my way to work, so I couldn't chat long, but I was pleasantly surprised. He told me he comes in town for work pretty regularly and would like to see me again. I agreed and just told him to let me know when he would be here, and if I was off that weekend, we could hang out. So, life went on. He would send me texts to say hello every now and again. I continued dating other people, no sex, but some fooling around, and life was good. Isaac did make it back in town, and we met up. We talked for a bit, but ended back up at his hotel room and, of course, had sex again. Mind-blowing orgasms. He was not the biggest I'd been out with, but he knew how to please a woman. We parted ways again, but this time our communication became more and more frequent. A few months later, we were dating exclusively, and a year from our first encounter, I moved to the state where he was living and moved in with him. We were married 18 months later. Here's a little more detail about Isaac. Isaac is an officer in the military and has a really cool job. It was one of the things that drew me to him. As of this writing, we have been together for 15 years and married for 13. We have two beautiful children. We have lived all over the world. I have sacrificed a lot as a military spouse. My career is not what I had envisioned, and I miss my hometown and family. Our marriage has been pretty good. Not perfect by any means, but okay. Isaac can be a dick. 
He can say some pretty mean shit when he gets mad. He is not patient and is low on empathy. He is very smart and probably the most efficient human being I've ever met. However, since he is damn near perfect at almost everything, he tends to have that standard for everyone, including me, and is not very good at understanding he is the exception, not the norm. For many years, I was completely enamored with him. I thought he was the hottest, sexiest thing, and I was so lucky to have him. In the past few years, this has faded. I feel like I am unappreciated. I am never allowed to be in a bad mood. When I tell him I need more emotion from him, he says, Look at your life. Look at what you have. Why isn't this enough? When I tell him I need a friend, he tells me, I am not your friend. I am your husband. I feel like to him, I am just a semen depository and a doer of all things for our household. I sometimes wonder what would happen if I just stopped doing everything or if I was incapacitated in some way. What would he do? I don't think he even realizes what he has. He just expects me to do what I've always done, even when I'm sick or even when I'm tired. On top of all of this, he also wants me to have sex with him four to five times a week. When emotional needs aren't being met, it's hard to want to be physical with someone. A little about me. I am also a highly effective adult, but not to this level. I sometimes feel like a Stepford wife. I look a certain way. I act a certain way. I run our household like a boss. I work in my profession one to two days a week. I volunteer at my kids' school and in the community, and my house is always clean. I cook almost every night. I run kiddos to their activities and appointments most days of the week. I work out three plus times a week. I'm always making a meal or doing something for friends or neighbors in need. I am a 40-something-year-old woman. I wear a size 2 and look younger than I am. Not to be conceited, but I am told at least weekly, Oh my God, you're over 40? I thought you were in your early 30s at most. You look so good. I guess I'm considered an attractive woman. This is odd to me because I have never really felt all that beautiful. However, I see other friends from high school and college that are the same age as me, and I have aged well. Enough about all that. Let's get down to the meat of the matter, my infidelity. There have been a few instances over the last five years. The first one was when my dad died. He had been sick for a while. His death was not sudden. I flew home for the funeral while Isaac stayed back with the kiddos. They were really young and it was a long flight. On the way back home, I had a long layover. I went into a restaurant and had dinner and a few drinks. I was sitting next to a guy, also awaiting a flight. We started chatting and continued drinking. Nothing really happened, no sex, but we shared a kiss. He hopped on his plane, me on mine, and that was it. I chalked that up to grief and just trying to find anything to fill the emptiness. I got back home and life did not stop because I was grieving, so I threw myself into being the best mom and wife I could be. Life went on for the next four years with minimal to no issues. Isaac and I had a few fights that were super ugly. He is a name caller and he has called me some pretty horrible names when he gets mad. He rarely apologizes and I eventually would just get over it. Enter 
2020. The year started out on a sour note and it just got worse from there. A career goal Isaac had was pulled out from under him and we were left with a collateral damage. This was a big blow to his ego and the beginning of a big transition for us. He had always worked 12 plus hours and was gone quite a bit. Now he was home a lot and had something to say about what and how I did things. This caused a lot of strife. Throw in there he was extra grumpy and he was miserable to be around. I had a girl's trip planned right before the COVID lockdown started. We had heard about it, but everything was still open. These are my girlfriends from my hometown that I have known forever. We always have so much fun. We met up at the hotel and started catching up and drinking. We eventually made our way to a local bar. We talked about life, our kids, our husbands, and just enjoyed having a little bit of freedom. It wasn't long before a group of guys came over and started talking to us. One guy started chatting me up. We talked about our jobs, our spouses, and our kids. He was very complimentary of my appearance, and I really enjoyed the attention. Soon after, it was time to get back to the hotel, and this gentleman accompanied us outside as we waited for our lift. Before leaving, he pulled me to him, and we kissed a nice, long, passionate kiss. I would have done more, but my friends were pulling me into the car, and we left. I loved that attention from that guy. I loved kissing someone new. I loved knowing I had done it. It gave me butterflies in my stomach for weeks. I also had zero guilt. About a month later, I got a contact request on LinkedIn from Joshua, my first love, my first everything from college. We were in the middle of a lockdown and everyone was home together and I was over it. I had looked him up previously but didn't request him as a contact. I guess he saw I did and then requested me. I accepted and a day later he messaged me. Of course, I messaged back. We were just catching up on life over the last 20 years. We reminisced about our carefree college days and the good times we had. We both apologized for the way we treated each other back then and he offered condolences about the loss of my father. He had heard through the grapevine when it happened. His messages always made me smile. He seemed to be very much a happily married man, and he had been successful in his career. We are in similar fields and had many discussions about that. He was very complimentary of me, and we didn't say anything inappropriate, but the affirmations he gave me just made me realize I was missing so much from my marriage emotionally. Again, nothing inappropriate, but messaging with him was the highlight of my day. I confided in him about my unhappy marriage, wanting something more in my career, and how I feel like I'm going through a midlife crisis. He always responded with the right thing. He encouraged me to further my career and was a big cheerleader when I accomplished a fitness goal that I'd been working towards. Via messaging, he seemed like a, the perfect guy, but I'm smart enough to realize he probably is not. It got to a point where it could have crossed the line, but it did not. It seemed like he sensed that and took a step back. 
I continue to message him to this day, but it's just less frequent. I have never told my husband about this and probably never will. I have no idea if Joshua's wife knew we were messaging or not. Life continued on. COVID lockdown was brutal for me. I had some dark days, but with summer, some COVID restrictions lifted and I just trucked on through life. Isaac continued to be grumpy and was home all the time and things seemed to get worse. I was just so unhappy. I would tell him repeatedly what I needed from him and he would just say, sorry, can't do it. You have a nice house. We have nice cars. You have everything you could possibly need. Why do you need more? I got more and more unhappy. One day in October, I noticed a guy from college, Evan, and he had gotten on my Instagram page and liked several of my recent pictures. I thought that was odd, but whatever. Let me mention this. On social media, Instagram and Facebook, I never talked about my marriage or how unhappy I was. I just mainly posted pictures of my kids and dog. I'm pretty sure I gave zero mention on how miserable I was. That being said, a few days later, I had a friend request on Snapchat from Evan. If you're not familiar with Snapchat, messages and pictures disappear after they've been seen or read. Again, I was perplexed. I thought it over and decided to accept his request. What could he possibly want? I mainly use Snapchat with work friends and post pics of my dogs and kids stuff. Anyway, he immediately messaged when I accepted his request. He made mention that his kids, older than mine, and my kids were in the same activities, obviously different levels. That was discussed for a bit and then the messaging became more flirtatious. I liked how it made me feel. So far, this story has captured my attention. I can understand and relate to a lot of things Piper has written, and she writes very well. She's really able to enunciate and describe her feelings well. And I know many of you out there listening can understand, especially when she's talking about that emotional connection. You know, and it's hard. And it's obvious with her and with many people, we try. We ask for that. Please, I need this from you. Please. You know, a marriage is not one person working and the other person taking care of everything else. You have to give and take. You have to be willing to support your spouse emotionally, financially, physically, all those things. It is 50-50, give and take, not 70-30, not 20-80, or what sounds like in this part, like 95 to 5. And uh, my heart is so far, you know, just getting through the story is heartbreaking because it doesn't sound like she's intentionally, or Piper, if you're listening, it doesn't sound like you're intentionally trying to seek out other people. You are doing what you feel you need to do and standing by your family and being the perfect at everything you do with everything that you do, which you had written about the house, the kids, all of that stuff. Um, but you still need, you are still a woman with needs and emotional needs is so, I'm sorry, fucking important that that is where I know a lot of women fall off track. So 
I'm going to leave it at that. And we'll be back in two weeks to finish the rest of Piper's story. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. And if you are interested in sharing your story, always know it is anonymous. You can visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on Story Guides. And there you will find an outline to help you form your story for the podcast. While you're visiting my website, feel free to vote for me to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. Visit the merch store in case you're interested in some no-judgment coffee mugs or a tote bag. If you are interested in subscribing to Patreon for those extra episodes and my bloopers, you can also subscribe directly from my website by clicking on Patreon. Also, if you could please rate and review me where you listen to your podcasts, especially on Apple, that would be great as it will help others find this show. Feel free to email me anytime at rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Thank you again for all of your support. Please be kind to one another, stay well, stay happy, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.